हेलो एवरीवन एंड वेलकम टू अवंतिका डिजाइनरिंग सीरीज और एडीएस एस वी लाइक टू कॉल इट एवरी वीक ऑन वेडनेसडे वी फीचर डिजाइन एंड टेक्नोलॉजी लीडर्स हु शेयर द प्रोफेशनल जर्नी दर थॉट्स ऑन द डोमेन ऑफ वर्क एंड डिजाइनरिंग वेयर द वर्ल्ड ऑफ डिजाइन एंड इंजीनियरिंग मीट मेक श्योर यू फॉलोअर्स ऑन सोशल मीडिया इंस्टाग्राम लिंकड इन फेसबुक एंड ट्विटर एंड विद दैट लेट्स कंटिन्यू विद योर शो इन द एवर चेंजिंग एटमोसफियर of the design world designers need a learning mindset to adapt to user diversity and grow their user context having a good design team can significantly impact this growth by providing better understanding of human values and cultures that in turn helps build empathy and understand the user's perspective giving a better foresight for a design solution and driving innovation however how can designers keep up with the evolving user mindsets and create innovative experiences to know more about this in this episode we interact with navneet nayar director of product design at phonepay with over two decades of experience as a design leader he holds expertise in user experience design interaction design user interface design and product design and that's why on our journey of discovering designering we talked to him about unifying science in design hey hello navneet welcome to avantika designering podcast series it's an honor and pleasure to host you on our show today thank you for having me here rohit uh, it's an honor at my end too great so navneet as an ice breaking question our thought frames the way we view the world in fact we need to be ambitious learner who wants insights as a mean to direct our actions the question that i have for you is how do we adopt a learning mentality to investigate the process more thoroughly to find the right design solution that's a great question rohit uh, i think uh, one of the things that i've found uh, really helps us grow is having a growth mindset the fact that we are not done and either way uh, whether it is in a positive way or negative way if it's a negative way it is that we have not reached a point yet but we have a lot more scope for growth the other way is that we can see that there is a lot more opportunity for us to grow this is from uh, the designer's own side but uh, from your point of view as an educator and my point of view as a manager of designers the way i see things is that we need to be fundamentally aware that people have the potential to grow and we should view it that way and one of this is the pygmalion effect or uh, the fact how uh, when we view uh, the uh, people in our teams uh, to have a lot of potential for growth they actually end up growing and uh, both from both sides both from the point of view of the designers who want to grow having a growth mindset and from the people who are educating and managing them having a view that uh, designers have a lot more scope to grow these are two things uh, that help us uh, grow 
both from a point of view of uh, the design team itself and from the point of view of the designer himself or herself. Wow, Navneet, that's a beautiful um, perspective of bringing the world of education and the world of design um, education, in fact, uh, coming together. I, I, I think that was a great insight. So moving from, uh, you know, our ice-breaking question to your journey, with over two decades of experience in the design industry, working with large technology giants like Google, Yahoo, to being a founding member of a design venture, can you take us through your professional journey? Sure, Rohit. Uh, actually, to be honest, I have to admit that I have been fairly lucky. Uh, I have been lucky uh, in the sense that I uh, kind of got into design at the right time. And I've been lucky in the fact that I have been able to work with some really great people along the way. Uh, to start off with, uh, I uh, did my engineering, which is what most people in India do when they get fairly good marks in their 12th. Um, so uh, I started uh, my journey as a mechanical engineer, but maybe about two years into my engineering education, kind of realized that I wanted to do something a lot more creative. And at that time, uh, I had a cousin who worked in advertising and he introduced me to copywriting. I used to write fairly well, I still do. Uh, but uh, then he encouraged me to take up uh, writing as a professional job itself. And I found that I really enjoyed it. Uh, so two years uh, into uh, uh, my engineering education, I actually started interning with advertising agencies. Uh, I worked with a couple of agencies and by the time I got out of engineering, I uh, applied only to advertising agencies, got in at the fourth largest advertising agency in in India and uh, worked there. Uh, when I started working there, some, something interesting happened it was in the year, the, the year 1995 and the internet had just been introduced into it and uh, the office had uh, a a browser, uh, uh, you know, a TCP IP browser. The, those days it was a browser called Mosaic, which eventually became Netscape. And I was completely fascinated by the internet. I uh, loved what was happening. I could understand the potential of the, the technology. And uh, around a year later, there was this uh, software called Flash that was released by Macromedia. And I downloaded it and started playing around with it. And I was like completely smitten. So uh, four years, you know, I was playing around with the internet. I was making websites for clients in advertising agencies, but I was also doing my job as a writer and I was dabbling around with design. Uh, but four years into it, I said, you know, I really want to take this up seriously and I wanted to become uh, a designer. So I did my master's in design at uh, Sydney University. And uh, from then on, I have been working with software products. I kind of got lucky break uh, uh, when I got called into uh, uh, working with a Bay Area startup that uh, at that point was building a software for converting PowerPoint into Flash and then doing web conferencing with it. It was really cutting edge uh, technology, very interesting uh, work that was happening. Uh, but it was also a lot of very interesting time. This was the year 2000, 2001 and uh, the dot-com bubble had just burst and a very interesting area a time to be uh, in the bay area uh, but that kind of got me triggered into taking design a lot more seriously around the same time 
uh, at Stanford, uh, there was uh, this professor named Terry Vinograd who was putting up a lot of uh, 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 lectures online. He would call in people like Bill Buxton, Jeff uh, Jeff Goldberg, uh, and uh, Jeff Johnson, and uh, he would put in all of these really excellent talks by some of the pioneers of human computer inter- interaction, and uh, that really helped me learn a lot about. Uh, about uh, interaction design and in those days you know uh, the the phrase itself was not coined in fact i was one of the first people in the group of first people who helped coin the word interaction design because there was uh, don norman who had used that word at one point of time all of us decided okay yes that's that's a word that makes a lot of sense to what we do and uh, i have been doing uh, design especially interaction design from the point uh, when the word and the uh, labels were being coined. So in that way, I have been lucky. Uh, I have got the opportunity to work at Google and Yahoo and uh, had the opportunity to do that primarily because, uh, to be frank, uh, there were not many designers at that point of time. Uh, I don't know how I would perform today uh, when there is uh, this huge burst of talent happening especially in the young uh, design community. Uh, maybe I would not have been so so lucky. But uh, having been there, having gotten into it early, uh, was fairly lucky. Uh, also uh, did try uh, to set up a design studio. Uh, it worked fairly well for some time. Uh, but it also gave me the opportunity to work with uh, startups in India and uh, help coach them. I think I worked at uh, uh, Google and Yahoo and got that sense of how uh, multinationals think about design and the, to take those learnings back and give it to the startups uh, in terms of, okay, how do you think about a design sprint and how do you think about incorporating design thinking into your uh, your uh, uh, work process? Everything has been interesting. And like I said, uh, a lot of it is is luck and i'm i'm fairly grateful for having been there at the right time uh, in the right place that is really interesting and quite some journey in terms of um, the kind of organization the kind of people the kind of um, time that you've actually been in and 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 i think that's that's really exciting in fact um, uh, navneet that leads me to my uh, next question in terms of what you're doing currently. So building and maintaining a team of designer isn't a straightforward task. And you've been building a team of designers at phone pay from scratch. Uh, what are some of the obstacles to creating a team of talented budding designers? So Rohit, uh, when I started off in design, uh, we used to fight about having a seat on the table. Uh, today, I luckily, uh, we really don't have to fight for a seat on the table. The problem actually is filling that seat, finding the people who are able to come in and deliver design at scale with the maturity is something that is a, a problem that is pretty much plaguing the entire industry. Uh, what we find is that uh, uh, we do have designers. Uh, there is a lot of talent uh, that is available. Uh, but what probably may be missing is the experience to go along with it and uh, the 
temperament to stick around and learn the craft, the art and the science of design. Uh, what we do uh, as designers is spend a lot of time thinking about the craft. And this is uh, fairly evident in uh, what a lot of people today are very interested in. And rightly so, uh, in learning, you know, uh, how does Figma work? What are the new things that, that, that are happening out there? But we need to understand that design is only one third craft. The other two parts are the art and the science of it. Uh, some people do spend a fair amount of time on the art. But I think what is clearly lacking today is the science of design. Wherein, why are we doing something? What is the core reason behind it? Are we studying it? Are we making enough hypotheses out of it? Are we validating those hypotheses? These are all things that uh, are required for us to mature as an industry itself. And uh, what I find uh, the most uh, difficult is filling in uh, uh, with the team with designers who are mature enough to understand all the three facets and uh, bring in a complete holistic view to design. Uh, we do have a uh, lot of great universities like yours coming up uh, and uh, trying to fill in the, the number of new designers who are coming in. But we also need those designers to work with uh, industry experts uh, who have been in the field for a long time and grow their, not just their craft, but also the art and the science and become completely holistic designers who are then earning the seat on the table are, and are able to make solid decisions while sitting over there. Hey, did you know PhonePay won the best mobile payment product category and the technology category at the IAMAI India Digital Awards 2020 for second year in a row? Wow, I... I you know love the phrase and 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 the way you described it which is you know earning the seat um, earning the seat on the table um, and and that's so relevant in 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 fact a lot of us um, in in the entire spree of hiring in the entire spree of uh, building the team and uh, managing multitasking between work and other priorities actually land up um, uh, missing this point in in practice and it it's so it's so beautiful to actually uh, hear about it from you while we are talking about phone pay uh, navneet phone pay is india's most exciting fintech startup with a goal to make digital payments so easy safe and universally accepted that people never feel the need to carry cash or cards again can you tell us how design has impacted the value proposition of the product Sure, Rohit, that's, that's a great uh, question to ask because we as designers are always thinking about how uh, we impact the value proposition. And uh, what I like to believe is that uh, designers actually should not be too worried about uh, creating impact on the value proposition because if the things are done right, uh, you will be automatically doing that. And the day, way to do that right is to start with the the value that you want to create. So at PhonePay, we start fairly heavily with the value that we want to create, which is basically to make sure that we are inclusively taking all of India towards progress on their financial journey. And we do that by making transactions as easy as possible. 
with this value and vision statement that we have in mind when we approach design in a way that uh, all the decisions that we make all the uh, design decisions all the product decisions and all the business decisions that we take are aligned to the value we are automatically delivering a beautiful value proposition for the user a lot of this comes from uh, very early on the way uh, steve jobs used to uh, handle uh, the vision at at apple when he came back in uh, after uh, his uh, small hiatus at next uh, he uh, came in and said why why does apple exist as a company and his his answer was that apple exists to enable change makers to make make the change and that is where the whole think different campaign came in and the whole value that apple stood for is that they want to enable people who think that may, they can make a difference to help them make that difference and at phone pay we have a similar value to make sure that people are progressing forward on their financial journey and we are doing that by making transactions as simple as possible so when we have that value ingrained in all of us both uh, not just the design team but the engineering team and the business teams and the product team what we find is that all of us are, are speaking the same language there is no difference in the way that uh, somebody is thinking about uh, a, a particular product or a feature because we all agree on that particular core value and this is something that is important uh, uh, and something that we have worked fairly hard at phone pay to make sure our values and our vision is fairly clear and what drives derive what we derive from that is this coherent uh, vision uh, based on which we are able to build the product and deliver the value proposition itself wow interesting and um, I, i i think it's very inspiring it's it's very important for teams to realize the organization vision and everyone actually working towards that vision and 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 i think the way few companies who actually uh, work towards that especially indian companies um, otherwise in most of the cases what we see is vision statements just land up becoming a uh, part of the business plan or uh, somewhere uh, on the notice board of offices but internalizing the vision and everyone working towards it is 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 absolutely beauty absolutely true phone pay seeks to meet another billion people with such a broad client base and diversity with a varied community of clients in fact is a very challenging uh, thing for any designer since the information to be shared with multiple buyers is distinct and ultimately keeps the customer at the forefront of every developmental aspect the question that i have for you devneet is how do you ensure a balance between flexibility and information density absolutely rohit so uh, doing that is not easy and to make sure that we are able to deliver on that what we have done is we have codified our design principles very clearly uh, these design principles start off with three universal principles the first one is to be clear is to be as obvious and intuitive as possible both in terms of the visual hierarchy and the information categorization so that this re- reduces the amount of cognitive o- overload uh that users uh, have to face the second thing is to be consistent in the way we do so using the correct uh, patterns in the correct place uh being very consistent uh, amplifying the predictability and familiarity 
uh, of the product. And the last and most important one is to just to be simple and simple as much as possible so that we are designing for the low, lowest common denominator. When we are talking about 250 million plus uh, registered users on our platform uh, and about 100 million of them using it uh, every month, uh, we uh, really cannot be choosy and selective about who are the uh, people that we are designing for. So we have to make sure that we are de designing for the lowest common denominator. On top of that, uh, having the users trust us is absolutely imperative. So to do that, we are very transparent in everything that we do. We let the user be in control and take responsibility where possible so that we can help the user come out of situations. And this also helps us take the user from just being competent to being masters, to being more proficient. And by showing users that th there is this growth that is happening, this helps us take the users one step further and thereby allowing us to grow the user experience as, the, as our user base is growing. So this is, the, this is the consistent journey that we have uh, thought out and this is the principles based on which we uh, design our product. And uh, I feel this helps us uh, no matter who we are building for, whether it is uh, uh, somebody in uh, the, a, a, a tier two a, a city or a tier two town or uh, one one of the next billion users uh, out there. In fact, sticking to that theme, Navneet, fintech is transforming how financial services are being packaged and delivered to consumers from an experience, access, and cost saving perspective. They require a thorough understanding of business technology process and a great deal of analysis and testing with users. The question that I have for you is, what are some of the effective fintech UX principles and opportunities that designers must be aware of? Right. I did touch upon some of the core principles that we uh, have at PhonePay, uh, which is uh, the whole point of being clear, consistent and simple. But one of the core underlying things is for us to move the users from competence to proficiency which primarily is to say that users uh, are able to see growth in themselves by using our products. And that is something that uh, we try to do. Uh, this is something uh, that uh, I have learned uh, from uh, a book by uh, Cathy Sierra, uh, which basically talks about the fact that nobody buys a software product uh, because the product is good. They buy a software product because the product makes them better at what they do. And uh, this is something that, that we completely believe in at PhonePay. And we want the users of our platform to become better at whatever it is that they do, whether it is uh, making the right financial decision or making payments as quickly as uh, they could and saving money uh, while doing so. So uh, that is the core principle that I see, uh, which would help us, but also would help uh, a lot of other products in similar uh, situations uh, help deliver a lot of value for the users. In fact, uh, you know, while you were talking about, um, you know, get, taking an inspiration from a book and the other elements, one of the other thoughts that I was thinking about at the same time was about the investigative uh, phase. In fact, among all stages of problem solving, the investigative phase is the most crucial because it reveals 
how to approach design problem itself. The question that I have for you, Dampneet, is how can designers investigate and recognize human values and cultures, uh, diversity, helping in the right direction towards creating sustainable solution? I mean, we see you practicing the same at phone pay uh, with companies like Google, um, Yahoo, uh, you would have experienced some of these aspects. So the, the, the question is, how, how do you understand and recognize some of these things? Right. So uh, it's absolutely true that uh, designers understand the users. And the best way to develop uh, this empathetic understanding of the user is through contact. And uh, one of the things that we need to do is probably do some sort of a contextual study of how users are performing what they're doing. However, what we have found is that uh, once in a hundred years, there is a uh, there is a situation that uh, makes it difficult for us to do. Uh, this pandemic is one of those situations. And uh, what we find is that it is difficult for us to go down and meet those users. In this situation, uh, what we have found uh, useful is sometimes to use visualization techniques that can help us uh, gain empathy without actually having that contact. So uh, it is definitely uh, something that we need to start uh, putting into place and I have written a couple of articles where uh, you can understand how to develop empathy without necessarily being in first-hand contact. There's absolutely no, uh, no, uh, 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 no uh, other way of doing it. You need to have first-hand contact as the best possible way of developing empathy. But in case you don't have that, uh, what we can do is we can visualize our users to kind of be uh, very close to us, people who uh, we are kind of like our friends. And think about us developing uh, users' uh, features for our friends itself. How would we do that? How would we do that for, let's say, our uh, our uh, our parents or our, uh, our siblings? And uh, based on that, we can actually think about them as real users and then start developing for them. And this helps us develop empathy uh, for the user. So it, while it is not a, uh, a replacement for the investigative contextual analysis that is required, I think in this pandemic, we do need to make some changes and uh, still gain user empathy. And this is one way that we can do that. Hey, did you know in January 2020, PhonePay launched the first of its kind digital ATM in India. PhonePay ATM that allows neighborhood Kirana stores to dispense cash in real time to its customers. Interesting. In fact, Navneet, while you spoke about diversity among the users, uh, I again come back to uh, mobile applications. And when it comes to designing them, simplicity is good and complexity is always bad, which is a widely held belief in the industry. In fact, designers treat mobile and desktop as two different creatures with opposing needs. However, when we look at it from the user's intent, it doesn't drastically change whether they are using their applications or website. My question is, can complexity in applications provide a good user experience and how can designers embrace complexity while designing applications in such a way that it's not complicated. 
Okay, now that's a complicated question. So uh, <laughs> I like uh, how Einstein puts it. You know, everything should be as simple as possible, but no simpler. And the same is true for user experience. You know, as a designer, we definitely strive for simplicity wherever possible. But then making things too simple can also be an issue. For example, if you're des- designing an interface for trading stocks, now there is a certain amount of complexity that a seasoned stock trader uh, is used to. And uh, when we are providing that, there are certain controls that they expect out of the interface. Uh, it's almost like, you know, uh, you are, uh, the pilots are used to the complexity of the cockpit of an aircraft. Uh, but then if you were to allow normal users to purchase stocks, uh, they may not need that set of complexity. For example, uh, the seasoned trader is used to thinking of stocks in the number of stocks they buy. Whereas uh, a normal user might be thinking only, oh, I have so much of money to invest. And this subtle difference uh, tells you that there is no one way of looking at it. Uh, so when we look at uh, complexity or simplicity, in fact, there is no one way of looking at it. You have to look at it from where the user is coming in from and then design accordingly. Some people do need the complexity. Some people cannot deal with that complexity. And we as designers need to understand who is the user coming in and then provide that uh, thing uh, accordingly. So sometimes that complexity is required because that user expects that complexity. And while you can make it simple within that, what you're doing is you're giving the right set of controls. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, aircraft cockpits are probably the best designs and uh, there would probably be a company like Tesla which will come in and reform everything. Uh, and In fact, SpaceX has done it with uh, the spacecraft. Uh, I'm sure something will happen with aircrafts as well. But then uh, pilots do need control and that is what a professional would need. And while we are talking about complexity, I think it is not really complexity, but it is about how, how much control someone needs. And that does introduce complexity, but at the same time, we can still strive for what is the best optimum design that we can do for that particular user. So again, like I was saying, it is completely contextual as to who the user is. And we as designers need to be able to be able to deliver the right interface for that. Interesting, Navneet. And while in our conversation, we've delved into the why and what part of it, my next question is around the how part of it. Design sprints are often considered as a superpower. It bypasses months of discussion by one week of collaboration, design thinking, and consumer-centric decision-making. But for design problems that are very complex or involve a high level of strategy, the design sprint falls short as a successful method. The question that I have for you is, what are the other design approaches that designers can follow to solve business challenges on a strategic level? Sure, Rohit. So uh, Design Sprint actually was never meant to be a panacea. In fact, most people today don't really know how to run a Design Sprint. And this just ends up creating a lot of mediocre solutions. And people use the whole design thinking process as an excuse to come up for mediocrity. And this is why some designers like Natasha Jen has gone so far to call design thinking as bullshit. But uh, that is not true. In fact, uh, the process is only as good as the person who uses it. So in the hands of an expert, it can actually produce wonders, but in the wrong hands, it can produce disaster. 
so when we are doing uh, uh, design we should not look at all of these tools as saying they are the means so they are just tools that will help you get to uh, what the end outcome is and uh, while design sprint works really well when you have a small uh, problem and you want to reach to a solution in a in a time frame at the same time be uh, inclusive in the process so that you can get as many people to contribute to that process sometimes there are other things that can help for example you could uh, do quick prototyping and come up with uh, different solutions or you could basically have a design run number of crit sessions around uh, along with other people come to that uh, uh, solution or you could uh, do generative uh, design have people come in and uh, uh, talk about what they want to do so there are number of tools that is available to us as designers and design sprint is just one of them and as designers i think we should learn a lot more about what are the tools that are available to us and start using them in the appropriate manner at the appropriate time that's well said and moving from there navneet let's let's talk about blended the world of technology in all of this innovation has not always been perceived as a technological and commercial thing its foundation serves as mechanisms for the industry as well as technology the question is how do we combine concept of knowledge technology viability and market policy to accelerate innovation sure right so uh, rohit innovation is said to have three spokes to it it's supposed to have the business aspect to it uh, there is a technology that needs uh, the validation uh, and uh, there is also uh, the users requirements that need to be met so this basically means that innovation is said to be uh, this intersection between viability feasibility and desirability however uh, to be frank that's a very simplistic look at innovation true innovation is a very iterative process you know you basically want to build on things that have already been built and uh, you may need to at times borrow from things that are either been built in the same field or even in parallel fields and say okay you know this is something that was done somewhere else and i'm just borrowing it from uh, there in fact isaac newton said it very well uh, i have seen further by standing on the shoulder of giants and as designers that is what we need to do we need to stand on the shoulders of giants who have already been there and uh, look at what is what is out there and be open and receptive uh, to all sorts of ideas and maybe have serendipity and gratitude as well thrown into the mixture which all of it together kind of works towards innovation and to say that i have the answer to innovation and doing this uh will lead to innovation i think i will be uh uh saying too much i think uh, we need to understand that innovation uh cannot be codified into a single process it happens it happens over time and it happens with the help of us working together uh and working along with others and seeing what others have done and then imbibing that into us as, as well beautifully put um in 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 terms of blending all of these worlds together and that brings me navni to my last question that at avantika university we coined this term called as designering which is the base ideology and philosophy on which we operate the question that i have for you is do you see design and technology blend in your field and your process and what's your validation on this 
this concept and philosophy absolutely i don't think uh, we need to start thinking of uh, design as a vertical design is a horizontal uh, design needs to be present in absolutely everything that we do whether it is uh, you are uh, doing software design uh, you're doing industrial design uh, or you might be even doing uh, let's say uh, hotel management and that also needs design as part of it so i think design needs to be start looked at as a horizontal function and right now maybe what you're looking at is is engineering and design engineering uh, designering is is a wonderful way of saying okay i am bringing the horizontal aspect of design into engineering uh and especially with technology the way uh things are progressing especially uh with the way uh computers are progressing we are seeing uh, a lot more power being uh given to the computers i mean more slow is showing no sounds uh, signs of abating and very soon we will have machine learning and artificial intelligence uh, which are r- reaching super intelligence level kind of uh, agi kind of levels uh, at any point of time so with that said in place what is going to be the role of not just designers or engineers but all of us as a whole so we need to start thinking about how we will be delivering for the next generation which is probably going to come up very soon and uh, having all of these horizontals design being one of them uh, i would say ethics being another one and even philosophy being uh, a one more layer which all are horizontal uh, things that need to be taught at each and every level right from school and uh, uh, this is just one aspect of it i, I hope more and more uh, universities will start thinking about uh, these holistically and not just approach education in silo saying that i'm going to create engineers or i'm going to create uh, accountants uh, in my uh, in, in my college or in my in my university but rather have this uh, holistic uh, leaders for tomorrow that can be created uh, by blending together of all of these kind of fields that are out there wow that was an interesting conversation with you navneet thank you so much for joining us on avantika designering podcast series i'm sure that there's a lot of learning for all our listeners out there and thank you so much for doing this thank you rohit it was a pleasure hey there we hope you enjoyed our show do write to us on ads@avantika.edu.in We look forward to your opinions, feedbacks and suggestions of speakers you would like us to host on this show. Do tune in our channel next week on Wednesday for a new story on Hubhopper or wherever you get your podcast from. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter.